This is Brian Brown, one-third of the Sailors and Sticks podcast crew. This is Season 2, Episode 4. On this episode, we got Submarine Ordnance Officer Sean Smith. He is a fellow brother of the Leaf, and let's get into it. I'm out here with Sean Smith, and uh, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, Sean. My name is Sean Smith. Uh, I was a prior FT. Obviously, it's a pretty small community, so me and Brian, uh, I've definitely heard of him. But I've been in the Navy for coming up on 14 years now. Started off as a BN sailor on the Rhode Island Blue. Then from there, I went to a Trident refit facility in Kings Bay, made chief there. Went to West Virginia for about a month. Went to North Dakota, did a full chief's tour up in Groton, Connecticut. After I left there, I went to be the Force FT in Virginia, commissioned out of there, and reported here to the USS Frank Cabling One. Booyah. Uh, glad to have you on the show today. I've been trying to get you on the show for a while. Uh, I know we've hung out many times, but I'm glad things lined up. Uh, what are you drinking and smoking on today? Uh, right now, I am drinking on some Four Roses bourbon. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I got a... Uh, uh, Quattro by Aging Room, the Nicaraguan wrap. This is uh, something that you actually put me yeah. on in Virginia. Love this. And then I got a Sapporo as well. Got to keep it warm. Hell yeah. So yeah, I got uh, I got that same Four Roses. I say I appreciate that. And I'm smoking on a Placentia, uh, Alma de Campo. Uh, my wife actually sent me a five pack of these. So uh, thanks to Scallywags for educating my old lady on some smokes. Um, so, I often, often I heard you talk about uh, your time on the Rhode Island and you, know, you joke around called the Leadership Factory. And uh, a lot of you go quality guys have come out of there. Uh, Wayne Poppin rings a bell, right? He's a stud. Uh, what do you think made you guys different from everybody else? Um, realistically, I mean, like most good commands, it started at the top. You know, our Captain C, our Captain XO and Cobb were just phenomenal. My captain was uh, Doug Adams, our, our cob was Andy Mokri, and uh, I mean those guys just set the tone for the whole crew, you know what I mean? We, uh, we won three battlees out of the four years that I was there and eligible for them. Um, and it, it was both crews too, even on the gold crew, Adam Ashburn, uh, Fagino, all, all those guys were gold crew guys. I mean, every single first class that was there is now a chief or a senior chief or going to be a cob or an EDMC and everyone who was there as a chief or a senior chief they went on to be cobs and EDMCs or went to squadron and then followed on I mean I, really it was a culture thing you know was it just the chemistry between you guys that made it different yeah I think it was the chemistry thing and also you know I, I give a lot of shit to, to boomer sailors even being a boomer sailor like that ownership right like there was no bad blood between the blue crew and the gold crew there was a lot of you know we'd give each other shit but at the same time like we we knew that you know at the end of the day we were going to take this boat back too so there, there wasn't a lot of what you hear about between most boomer sailors like oh hey you know they turned over a bag of shit to us yeah that's where you find that because uh with a lot of groups there's always uh there's always some hey the blue crew did this the gold crew did this so uh who would you say were your biggest influences on there while you were there? Uh, 
So, I mean, we, we talked about him, the man, the myth, the legend, Wayne B. Poppin. Oh, Wayne sure. B. Poppin. So he, he was my OPO for a long time. You know, him, him having that fast boat yep. mentality of just that ownership. And then uh, his old chief off the Augusta, Tom Belcher, actually came to be our chief. And all of us were together there. And just, just you know, like we were talking about, like that ownership and... You know, just the mentality of, hey, we're going to get it done. And if you don't got nothing to do, you're not going to do it here. Yeah, CWO Select, by the way, Wayne B. Poppin. <laughs> so congrats to you there, shipmate. Yeah. Um, so if you could have approached yourself, I know you've been in the Navy for a while like myself, but if you think, if you could have found yourself at 17, 18, a younger age, and said, hey, joining the military what do you think you would have told yourself keep my mouth shut <laughs> keep my fucking mouth shut yeah. there uh, i mean it's it's easy to say now where i'm at where you're at yeah. you know where I, I mean I, I was blessed to be around the people that i have been around because that's what i credit all my success to honestly but a lot of times i open my mouth when i didn't need to or voice my opinion when it certainly wasn't necessary and i mean i'm not gonna say like it set me back a rank or anything like that but it definitely probably i'm sure i rubbed some people the wrong way for that yeah i mean i think a lot of us uh we get in that mindset of we got two ears and a mouth and we use the mouth more than we use the ears so uh i definitely think i would have told myself that a little bit earlier too so that makes a lot of sense um so obviously we're smoking drinking here what thing what got you into cigars do you have a favorite cigar memory what got you into drinking whiskey those kind of things that we do now like do you have any uh pivotal moments in your career that kind of st- st- steered you towards those things um honestly man cigars kind of so i used to smoke cigarettes uh i had to quit that right did vaping for a little bit quit that and I was kind of smoking on and off a little bit in Groton, and then when I got to Virginia, I started kind of, you know, rubbing shoulders with the same people that you hang out yep. with, and then uh, the Sailors and Sticks thing started popping off. You invited me to that group, introduced me to a lot of people just in the in the Virginia uh, Hampton Roads area, and that's when, you know, my real love for cigars came out. In regards to whiskey, I mean, I, I used to be a, a light a light drinker i was all vodka and i <laughs> i had everything there was to have and i was like you know what we're, we're gonna switch it up and i went to dark and i just i won't go back man i'm a, I'm a whiskey bourbon guy now. yes um obviously some people say it's acquired taste but uh i mean i fell in love with it early too and um i've been smoking cigars since i was probably about 16 or 17 but never really gotten uh anything that was quality until i realized it right my paycheck obviously got a lot bigger so i was able to afford a lot more but um i mean you it comes with the territory you, you get what you can get your hands on so um yeah it's funny man like the, fir- the very first cigar i ever had um it was my first watch as the lookout on, on the rhode island my very first watch as lookout yeah. my officer the deck he is he's a warrant officer he's out of the navy now but uh it was his last inbound transit we were coming back into king's bay and he's up there and i mean he's living his best life up there he's literally smoking a cigar he's like smith you want a cigar i'm like yes sir i mean i don't even recall what it was right right so i'm just up there smoking a cigar he's like hey uh well, let me bring the sat phone up here too let's uh we, we got to exercise our communications hey smith you want to call home i'm like uh hell yeah i'm gonna call home yes sir and i'm sitting up there smoking a cigar you know 
talking to my dad on the phone. I'm like, shit, I could do this forever. <laughs> so <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. Uh, a lot of those guys, a lot of people we've interviewed on the show have uh, cigar memories. So uh, um, they'll stay infirmly planted in your brain. So uh, it's good to hear something like that and give you a positive thing about the Navy and uh, where you'd like to go from there. Um, so... What would you say, like, you're a big sports fan. You talk about sports a lot. You and I have many conversations. What's your favorite sport, and uh, who are your teams you represent? I've always been big into contact sports, man. Uh, if I had to narrow it down to three, definitely football, hockey, MMA. Uh, I'm, I'm a Vegas everything fan. Unfortunately, that's just a life of pain, being a yeah. Raiders fan. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, a tough, it's a tough road, man. It's a tough road. <laughs> it ain't getting yeah. any better. Nope. You know? But uh, the Golden Knights, I, they, they always give me something to root for every year. Uh, you know, looks like the Oakland A's are probably moving to Vegas, so that that's definitely going to be yeah. that'll be my baseball team, even though I don't watch baseball that much. And then MMA, I mean, I I miss the days of John Bones Jones and yeah, man. you know some of gotta stay off the crack. Yeah, <laughs> and gotta stay off the crack. The yeah. old killers yeah. out there, but there's you know I, I still watch MMA, love MMA. Okay. Uh, you're a big Warriors guy too, right? So, uh, who, who, what do you like about the Warriors? Like, what, what is your? Uh, I mean, they win, obviously, but I mean, uh, I, I just like how they change the way basketball's played. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it used to be okay. You got some mid-range guys. You got some dudes that just crush it in the paint. Yeah. I mean, it started with Mark Jackson, and unfortunately, he couldn't get it done. And now Steve Kerr gets all the credit for how he changed the way you know basketballs played. But really, I think it was you know Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Mark Jackson kind of started all that there. Uh, it, it was just an exciting time to be a, a Warriors fan. You know what I mean? We ain't had nothing since you're talking about like yeah, deadlift yeah, swamps yeah. and Chris the Mullen and Chris Steph Mullen and them high top haircuts <laughs> and shit. Did you ever? Did you think Steph Curry was going to be that good though? No. Oh, no way yeah. nobody did you know yeah. what I mean I mean you got teams out there like the Timberwolves they yeah. literally passed on him twice in yeah. that draft like I don't think anyone expected him to be what he is and I remember there were talks of the year where you know after his injury they were they were going to trade him yeah. and for pennies on the dollar at that and of course you know he just has that amazing season at 16 and the rest is history so my sister went to Davidson and um I, we don't speak that often anymore, but I do remember when she was going there, she was talking about this kid, and I was like, there's no way. Like, And then, I don't know if you remember, but like during um, the NCAA tournament, this kid was blowing it up, and like they, they were just like flashes of greatness there, and like the dude changed the game, man. And what he's been able to do is incredible. It is funny, man, because like, you know, I, I'm... I watch like March Madness and stuff, yep. but obviously, you know, you don't get all the games yep. where you're at, but I, I'd always go on my ESPN app and just look at stats and, you know, college basketball at the time, all they had was the number. They didn't even have the name, but I remember like pulling up the Davidson game and like just clicking on the team yep. and seeing like, what the hell? This guy has nine threes and they're in the second quarter. Yeah. Like, who is this kid? And then I go and look at him, you know, and he's 160 yeah. pounds and, you know, barely six foot. I'm like, oh, my God. And LeBron was going to those games, too. Like, yep. he was going to watch him play. Like, that was crazy to me. Uh, obviously, Davidson didn't win at all. But, like, that guy made an impact on uh, a lot of people, obviously. And uh, Golden State did the right thing and picked him up. And look where they are now. So, uh, never judge a book by its cover when you deal with him because he was if you read all his draft stuff it was not 
it was not good. Nope, nope. They were saying, you know, he wasn't strong enough. He wouldn't hold up against the NBA defense. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it was almost Tom Brady-esque, like, yeah. if you think about it, kind of the way he was underhyped. Um, so you're from Alaska. I don't know too many people from Alaska. <laughs> uh, the only people I know in Alaska that I can count them on one hand, but they're all in the Navy. Uh, That's the real dirt. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me uh, how that how was that growing up? It's, it's just different, man. Yeah. Like, people, I mean, I guess people don't understand that, like, Anchorage is actually pretty big. I mean, I, I just got back from there uh, about a week ago. There's probably 300,000 people there. Um, it's definitely growing more and more. Uh, it's, I mean, the best way I could sum it up is fucking cold. <laughs> like, I, I went back there for emergency leave, and, man, like, we were opening the door and it was 10 degrees outside yep. and my, I'm, you know being stationed in Guam previous to that Virginia and then Kings Bay for so long like right. I'm just not acclimated no. or built for <laughs> not built for the gold no more yeah. I was like I'm fucking 35 yeah. years old like I ain't ready for this open the door you feel that shit in your bones <laughs> but uh yeah it was a little different growing up there you know it's kind of a kind of a smaller town everybody knows everybody and you know it's weird like everyone there is Seattle Seahawks fans. Really? Right? Oh yeah, diehard okay. Seattle fans. I mean, before they were good though, they were all Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, everybody fans. likes to ride. Everybody likes to ride on that bandwagon. Yeah, when you ain't got yeah. no team, you know, <laughs> you just pick what you want. You just pick yeah. what you get. Yeah, yeah. See, it looks like they might be jumping ship soon because Seattle's not doing so hot right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, growing up in North Carolina, obviously, I grew up different different style than you did. But it, what amazed me about the Navy is that you get to interact with people and you find common bonds between people that you never really even met if you'd have done this organization. So that's, that's the best part about the Navy, in my opinion, man. It's like just the diversity of people, yeah. right? You, um, you know, I, I caution people with that all the time is you don't know where people come from, what their background is, or, you know, what they have going on in their life. But at the same time, you know, that, that, that just makes for better recommendations better opinions better ways to go about things and do things not only in the navy but even you know you make friends like that in your personal life and things like that and that's that's something that you know i, I love about the navy so you uh you did the conversion like me went to the dark side and spent some time as a chief beforehand uh who do you think you were instrumental in your career between transitioning from being enlisted to being an officer uh let's see definitely you uh you know josh hahn a couple other guys that got picked up before me steve suarez adam ashburn just a lot of guys in our community you know they're uh george span he was actually my pma at trf he he wasn't a 60 he's an 80 he's retired now but that guy really took me under his wing and uh he was the first person to really like truthfully care you know what i mean like take my package comb through it like to the you know comb through it perfectly in reference to the nav admin and everything else out there and be like hey you know we, we need to change this this is what we're gonna do so he was definitely a big influence and then when i got to groton obviously uh brian purvis rob yep. Warnke, those guys definitely yep. uh took me under their wing too and kind of just uh you know assisted in my development to get where i'm at which is you know amazing i couldn't be more thankful do you think that transition was hard for you like do you was it seamless does it was there issues 
Did so, people try to check you, things like that? No, no one's ever tried to check me. Um, I think the hardest part for me, and it's going to be different for everybody, you know, we all got uh, strengths and weaknesses, and, you know, that that's the reason why we're here or getting here for others. But realistically, right, like I was always a hands-on kind of guy. I was always the chief that was right there up in it with the guys and if they weren't doing it the right way hey stop look we're gonna do it this way get the procedure well whatever it may be but uh me kind of just not being so hands-on as an officer with that that was the most difficult part for me you know what i mean yeah. not not being involved yeah. with everything you can't touch everything exactly. you can't do I, that kind of stuff I, I can't do the chief's job because yeah. i'm not the chief anymore right so kind of breaking away from stay in your lane yep yeah. that was probably the most difficult part for me so um in that right like i understand i've gone through the same struggles because i was the chief for so long trying to uh, get involved and knowing where I needed to step in or where I need to step out. Um, you've actually been influencing that too. Cause I, I can count on me times where you're like, Hey Brian, what are you doing? Like I've gotten, <laughs> I've gotten some things. So you've been able to check me in that too. So I, I appreciate that. Um, what do you think? Like, I'm, I know you're a pretty inspirational guy to your junior guys on the ship. What have you told them when they come and ask you about being an LDO or being a warrant? Like, what do you, what do you tell them? I mean, if they're specifically asking me about, like, being Warren or being LDO, I mean, of course, I, like, I, I'm there to support them, but at the same time, I'm going to tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Like, right. take your easiest shore duty. Like, no, man, you got to go out there and take the most demanding billet out there. Like, it, it doesn't get any easier at this level. Worldwide assignable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For all the homesteaders out there. <laughs> That's, a, that's the word of the day. Words of the day. Worldwide assignable. It's just... Um, I, and, you know, it's weird. Because, like, I'm not one of those guys that preach to dudes, like, you got to stay in the Navy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if guys come to me with a plan, like, hey, sir, like, this is my plan. I'm getting out at this time. I'm going to college using my GI Bill. Yeah. I'm getting my degree in this. And then, I, you know, I'm going to be looking for work in this location in this field. Like, that's great. Those guys have a plan. They're going to be successful. I mean, you, you've heard the story just as much as I have. It's the guy that's like, yeah, I'm going to get out and make 120 grand. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know yet. Are you going to college? No. Well, not right no, now. I'm kind of looking yeah. into it. Like, you, you got no plan, man. Yeah. Guess what? They don't just give people six figures for no fucking reason. Not to mention, you're showing up late to work here every right, day. You exactly. think they're just going to yeah. sell out cash? Get out of here with that shit. Yeah, you can't even be a fucking regular dude and, like, fucking show up to work on right. time. I can't even get you to shave every third day. But all of a sudden, you're going to be a six-figure motherfucker. You need yeah. to calm down. <laughs> so, you you said you're on the tender, right? Um, we got some listeners out here. Some some of them might be homesteaders, so they might not even know what that is. Uh, can you kind of explain what a tender does? And then, also, two-part question is, how was your transition from being a straight submariner to going to a tender? How was that? Oh, man. That, whew. <laughs> Game changer, <laughs> man. So, um... Yep, just strictly submarine guy, and then I show up out here to Guam. The submarine tender, their primary mission is uh, rearm, re uh, resupply, and repair. So, with our primary mission being in port and tending to those submarines, I mean, our, our deployments are just completely different, right? It's not like we're blacked out comms or you know i'm not going to talk to my wife with nothing but maybe two emails yeah. over the course of five or six yeah. months man yeah. like it, 
there's guys that are like logging on to Facebook yeah. Messenger <laughs> in the middle of deployment. They got so, Facebook Messenger, y'all. Just tell, just yeah, putting it out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy different, yeah. right? And then on top of that, just I, I'm used to learning a different platform coming from a BN and then going to a Virginia class and, you know, just being out here working with 688s, you know, doing CREs. I'm used to, you know, the differences in submarine platforms. But now going to a surface ship, Oh man! So there, there, there were kind of some—I um, won't even say hiccups or headaches. It was more just you know that that lifelong learner that we talk about, right? Yeah. It's just back to square one. Hey, okay, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to be the SME of this handling system. I'm going to learn you know how to be the command duty officer here. I think the cool thing about the tender is you kind of get a different approach to things. Uh, you get to see how a different side of the Navy works. Um, the quality of life, though, I will not lie to you out there. It's pretty crazy. Like, <laughs> I mean, you get your own little room. Uh, it's probably bigger than a captain's stateroom on a submarine. Bro, the, the quality yeah. <laughs> of life here is absolutely yeah. insane. Yeah. Like, I mean, like you were just talking about, my, my stateroom is enormous. Yeah. You're not worried about any room, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, guys are, you know, our normal duty section is eight section. Right. If you told any submarine that, like, the tender is eight section, yeah. come on. Bro. And that's, that's E6 and below eight yeah. section, bro. Yeah. So. The, the chiefs are, like, you know, pretty much what CDOs are. Yeah. That's, like, 14, 15 <laughs> section and something else real stupid. But. Then you got, uh, then they got breakfast and all this craziness stuff. Like, stuff that you don't, they got fresh fruit every day, man. Every day. Like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> stuff that us, are not used like, to getting the days of mid rats yeah. with crunchy rice and cold beans like that shit does not happen on the tender man yeah. it's just not real yeah. like it's it's a warm well-cooked meal every single time eggs to order every morning for breakfast if you want it like, <laughs> and they have a real gym like a real gym. oh man <laughs> like, i think that was probably like the the biggest yeah. just i was like what is this they're like yeah that's our gym sir feel free to use it anytime yeah. I'm like, oh shit. yeah that was a that was an eye opener for like to try to experience that and deal with that kind of stuff. So it's crazy. Um, so you said your job. So the way you deal with your job on the on the tender, is it a, a pretty demanding job? Is it pretty relaxing? Like, how does that? Um, how's the ebb and flow with that? So, I mean, as the weapons handling officer and the gunnery officer, you know, when we were the LMA, yes, very demanding. Uh, now that we're the expeditionary tender, still demanding, not as much, although, you know, the, the biggest issue in Guam is with manning, right? Yeah. You, you know that. You're out here um, just getting people out here to, you know, getting yeah. good people out here would be great. But My just, dog ate my orders. I can't come out here. Yeah, right. Stuff, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. you yeah. know, I'm LLD. Yeah. Sorry, I need this knee surgery. Yeah. I can't do it. Right. There's just so much of that. That, uh, you know, ultimately the mission still has to get done, but the number of people just aren't changing. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a tough road out here. Uh, a lot of people don't experience that and they don't they don't get that chance to experience that because they never come out here. But uh, I mean, I always appreciate dudes like you that are willing to step up and do that same thing. Yeah. I mean, like it's that's where it's beneficial, you know, to be. A previous chief or you know have that experience with significant personnel management of just being able to get creative and being like okay hey you know what maybe I can't give this guy the weekend off because we're handling this weekend and he's got duty on Tuesday but he's gonna take Monday off then he's gonna take Thursday off you know what I mean like you you have to pay these guys back and realistically like 
we say it all the time, but I think sometimes it goes to the wayside when, you know, some of these newer officers or even newer chiefs get in these positions and it's like, hey man, our people are our greatest asset. Right. And if you break them, yep. like you're, you're done. Yeah, one thing I noticed with you is the way that you are with your guys and um, uh, probably one of the most demanding work schedules I've ever seen with anybody. And um, the fact that you get them all to love it, like, is incredible. Like, what do you, what do you think, um, like, what do you think your secret is to success with that? Like, I don't like, even think it's a secret, man. And this is something that was kind of like Tom Belcher and Wayne Poppin trained to me, which was, you know, and this is like backed by our captain when I was on the Rhode Island, Doug Adams. And who y'all Doug Adams? I know that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that was uh, just like, hey, if you come here and give me 110%, I promise you, you'll be here for the minimum time required. Right. You know what I mean? Show up, ready to do your job, ready to go. We're going to get this done, yeah. and then we're leaving. And, you know, guys care about that. You know, those little inefficiencies that we're talking about where things don't start off on time. Right. And, you know, it, it ends up being their problem. Like, obviously, it shouldn't be, right? But they still have to wait around and get the job done. Yeah. Like, they don't, they don't want to hear those excuses. Like, if they told... Their wife, they're going to be home at three so their wife can take their baby to an appointment. Like, at the end yeah. of the day, were they home at three or were they not? Yeah. Right. So I, I've just always kind of made that promise to them. Like, hey, guys, if you come here and bust your ass for me, I promise you the schedule is going to be right. We're going to get it done. And then after that, you know, we're going to go home. I'm going to pay you back. And a lot of times it's more of a uh, you're going to have to prove it. Right. right? Pro prove it. Yeah. Prove it to me yeah. that things are going to go right. Prove yeah. it to me that, you know, you're, you said you're going to do what you're going to do. And once you do that, those guys will bury your body. For you. Yeah, like, are we, or do we have all the tools we need, all that shit? Like, that's one of those things where I think you've demonstrated that you've been able to do that. Um, I think a lot of people miss the mark on that. Like, hey, I'm going to get you out of here, but they don't. Um, but I've always compared it to, like, a bank account, right? Sometimes you make a deposit. And yeah. you get those guys out there early when they're not going anything. But, like, when you're like, hey, guys, we're going to be here late today. They know you're not bullshitting, right? They know, yeah. hey, uh, Mr. Smith told me we're going to be here late. But he don't keep us here late for no reason. So that's kind of where you make your mark, mark on that. It's like they know exactly you mean what you say and you're going to be able to do right by them no matter what. Yep. And again, right, like I came out here to Guam and, you know, experienced weapons handler, sure. But. I don't know all the intricacies that are right. happening here in Guam. I don't know all the special relationships. Yep. And, you know, again, I'm just surrounded by great people that have been out here before that teach me all these things, that put me in contact with the right people to be able to make these things happen, to ensure that, you know, we're not just standing around for two hours. Or I now have the backing of my webs to say, oh, hey, this isn't done. Well, guess what? Now we're going to lunch. We'll be back in two hours, man. Call me beforehand if you're ready right we just leave um so based on that um what do you think has been your most difficult place that you've been stationed at like what do you think is the hardest duty station you ever had and why um oh man duty station definitely guam right. and again we go back to that manning piece right yeah. like it's just they're you're trying to make so much happen with so little and the guys you have are good because they have to be good yeah Right, you have no other option but to train them to make them subject matter experts in whatever they yep. do. And a lot of times, you know, your chief is working down at the first class level, and I'm working down at the chief level right. sometimes just because we don't have the people. Exactly. Right, but yep. 
if you ask me, like, you know, what my hardest tour was, definitely the North Dakota, yeah. man. And, uh, you know, shout out to Kellen Volan, who was my cop there. That guy just, he asked so much of me. Uh, my captain, Mark Robinson, he was phenomenal, too. Um, I, I mean, I bled, <laughs> cried for that boat, literally everything. I mean, that, that was my most demanding tour. And I, I think some of that was kind of that transition we talk about between like boomer to facet yeah it's right? a rough because life because that that, yeah, that is a rough, rough life yeah. let me tell you yeah. man but i mean it's definitely doable right i i did it yeah I, I went from you know the literally like the worst chief on board for my first eval to the number one ep so it's, it's definitely doable i always joke around with you i never knew you were a boomer sailor until you told me <laughs> I, like we got along so well i was like this guy's cool man i never knew you were a boomer guy but Nah, man, well, you definitely made it, and you're one of the people that I was like, if that guy can do it, anybody can do it. That's why I always wear my boomer pin, man, just to let, <laughs> just to let cats know, you know? <laughs> just give, like, take my street, street cred down a notch. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, um, I think, uh, I think you made that transition perfectly. A lot of people have difficulty with that, and, uh, I mean, I applaud you on what you've been able to do with your career. Uh, so... If you can think of one thing that people misunderstand about you, like what's a common misconception about you that people like interact with you and they're like, oh man, this guy's an asshole or they like whatever the case may be. Like, it's, it's, it's right there, man. Yeah. It stops right there. Yeah. Like this dude's an asshole. And a, a lot of it was because of what we talked about earlier, it's just my mouth. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I, I won't even lie. I used to just fucking pop off to anybody, anytime. And just kind of the way I came up and the way I was trained was like, hey, Knowledge is the be all end all. It you is are either right or you are wrong. That is a fact. And it, it didn't yeah. matter to me if it was like a chief or if it was the captain. Like if they were wrong, I would call them the fuck out. And you know, that, that that's kinda stuck with me yeah. for a while. There yeah. there are people, you know, that now, you know, maybe they're a senior chief and they knew me as the second class and they're like, Yeah, I knew you when you were a fucking mouthy ass arrogant second class. I'm like, Yeah, hey, you probably did and I'm sure you've learned some stuff, yeah. and guess what? So have I. Yeah, but like I'm still, I'm still mouthy. Don't get me, don't get it twisted. <laughs> yeah, I'll still like, tell you when you're fucked up. Don't, don't get it twisted. Yeah, it, I, I'll still I tell you. Ha- I just yeah. have a little more tact, and I'm able to approach the situation a bit differently. Yeah, I'll still now. tell you when you're fucked up. All right. So switching gears from the Navy stuff, right? Like, so I've known you for a while. Uh, one thing that surprised me is how big of a hip hop head you are, oh, rap music. Man. Uh, Wayne Pop in the same it's way. It's always because I'm so white. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you are pretty white. For no one that's from... ever seen me, like I'm like the palest fucking yeah. dude you've ever. And been. you're from Alaska yeah, too, like, so like... I literally look like powder. I don't have eyebrows, and I have like a yeah. lightly blonde hair. hair so. Yeah. so you and Wayne Pop surprised me, like being so far in the hip hop game. Um, who are some of your favorites? Why? Educate the people out there on what you like and, and why you do. Oh, man. Some of my favorites. I mean, a lot of those dudes are like classics right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. You talk about like Eminem, uh, J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar. I just love the. I, I love guys that just do things lyrically that yeah. you're not going to hear from other artists. Like, sure, anyone can go in the studio and make a nasty beat but can you tell a story behind it for one obviously biggie tupac those guys are legends yes i continue to listen to them 
Um, shout out to Jason Pittman, by the way, because when I first met him, he was listening to Kendrick Lamar in a stateroom, and he was a captain of a submarine, so oh. that was just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. I'm sorry I judged you, but that surprised the hell out of me. Little K-Dot from the Skipper. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So you said Biggie. Okay. All the classics, right? Yep. Uh, so... Uh, definitely some newer stuff I'm getting into. Okay. Uh, Joiner Lucas, yep. who you know, I, I I'd heard a few things that I liked, and then you put me on some albums of his that that I really like. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's, he's dope. That guy uh, lyrically, I just think he's on another level too. Uh, oh yeah. But sure. being, being from Alaska, you know, there's always that West Coast influence, man. Like I. You know, Mac Dre, whoo, yep. boy, that, that old yep. boy ran Alaska for a long time. <laughs> old Mac Dregity. Uh, so, you know, Too Short, E-40, some of that West Coast influence is there for me. I like G-Eazy a lot. I yeah, think he's, uh, he's very talented, yep. too. Um, yeah, man, I just... What do you think about the mumble rap craze? Uh, that, not my shit. Yeah, well... It's just not yeah. my shit. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, if we talk about, like, Migos, are, are there some beats out there yeah. that I can get with? Yeah. Yes, there is. And, I mean, you know, we I, I was kind of dabbling in new artists a little bit. Jack Harlow? Jack yeah. Harlow is yeah. kind of on I like some him. other shit yeah. right I like him. I, I like yeah. Jack Harlow. Why do, you, why do you think they're selling, though? Like, because that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't necessarily say, like, because I feel like, I feel like somebody's, like, dad, you know, when I'm listening, I'm like, why are these kids listening to this shit? And I'm like... <laughs> I just don't know why it's selling so much. Like, I don't get it. Like, the beats, the beats on some of those songs are great, right? Yep. Like, but I just don't get why it's like, it, you have an opinion on why do you think it's selling so much? Is it just the music? Is it like, they don't listen to the words or? I, honestly, man, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think with some of the mumble rap, like, I, I think a lot of it is pushed by the beats. You know yeah. what I mean? You talk about like Lil Yachty yeah. and, you know, like the, kind of the birth of mumble rap like I, I think it's all bullshit I hate it truth <laughs> tell you, I mean you know, I, I hate it too it's fucking trash yeah, yeah. but I, I mean that that's really all I can think of right like what, what else would sell there right because I mean I felt like I felt like a damn dinosaur me and my buddy Scott Eric uh, Gary Stevenson we all went to go see Wu-Tang and the Groton and like Wu-Tang obviously man near and dear to my heart just straight legends yeah legends right and then like there were kids outside they're like i didn't know wu-tang was alive anymore like they just didn't appreciate it and i'm like you listen to some dude that like i can't even understand what he's saying like i don't know what he's talking about like there's no message behind any of that stuff so i just don't get it like i don't get it's not that i'm like hey the music sounds good like the beats might sound good but i just don't get why people like listen to yeah, this and that, that's kind of why you know we talk about like like I said, like, you know, J. Cole, Kendrick, Biggie, those guys can tell a story. Right. Like, like the best of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they have a song for any mood that you're in right. guaranteed at any time, which is why I, I just think I connect with them so well. You know what I mean? And then even like Nas, Big, you know, yeah. Snoop Dogg, yeah. those guys, like, they have stories that, you know, people always got that that knock on rap. Well, okay, it's nothing about, like, you know, except doing drugs and, you know, fucking bitches yeah. and, and nice yeah. clothes yeah. or nice cars or yeah. something like that yeah. well like who doesn't want that for <laughs> one 
Wait, what? They're like, yeah, nobody wants that. Yeah, who, yeah. Come on, let's be honest now. Yeah, I mean, those, I want more yeah, money. Yeah, right. I would love to wear Gucci every day. Just the fact that all I can afford is Under Armour and Nike. I mean, come on yeah. now. I mean, that was one of the vividest memories I've ever had is when um, the Ready to Die album, double album came out. And uh, I was in school still, and I had the double disc, and I had the disc man. And like, <laughs> I remember listening to that album, like, straightforward. Like, I couldn't get enough of that. And, like, even though I was a kid, you felt like, like Biggie were in the car with him or where he was. Like, you felt like you were with him during when he was talking. Like, yeah, when he was man. rapping, man. So, my first CD ever was uh, the Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad just used to hear that. My dad's like old school, yeah, plays right. guitar yeah, right. and shit. Yeah. He likes Metallica yeah. and like. <laughs> is there any uh, speaking of Metallica, right? Are there any rock groups that you are big into, or like, is there? Any, I mean, because I'm pretty eclectic. I always joke around. I was like, if you found my fucking. If you found my phone on the street, you wouldn't know if I was white or black. Cause yeah, like, yeah, my no, music no. taste yep, is pretty yep, crazy. Definitely, I'm kind of the same way, man. Like, mind you, rock wise, like I'll be honest, there's really nothing new out there that I'm like, oh my god, this yeah, yeah. this band is legit. You know what I mean? Back in the day, that I mean, I say back in the day, I still listen to it now. Obviously, uh, a lot of Metallica. Yep. Uh, I, I like some kind of. Kind of some of the old school shit too, like the Eagles, Leonard Skinner, yep. uh, Tom Petty, you know, ugliest motherfucker alive. Yeah, Tom Petty, yeah, yeah, jams. Strings, yeah, no. jams, yeah, he was good. Um, ACDC. Oh, like, I love ACDC, man. You know, that, yeah. just that kind of shit punts me up for my workout. Okay. And then there'll be random like onesie twosies that I'll hear on the radio that I'm like, damn, I like that. Okay, let me go on and get that. But same thing, man. People, they're like, Oh damn, you're big into Kendrick. You like Jeezy, that's what's up. And then like Florida Georgia Line come on today, or like hear me listening to country. They're like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, uh, it's called music, big homie. We're like, what's up? Yeah, music is one of those things. It's universal, man. I think it speaks a whole different language to people. And uh, I found out like a lot of that stuff. You uh, you end up vibing with people on the boat that you might have not vibed with based on artists and stuff. Definitely, like, definitely. Yeah, because I'm a. I mean, anybody knows me, I'm a big Tool fan. I like a lot of their music. And I mean, most people, when I go to a concert, don't look like me when I go there. Uh, <laughs> but that's what I like. I listen to what I listen to. Um, uh, like I said, when I was in Virginia, you'd find me at a random, I'd be at a Dave Matthews Band concert. I'd be at Blink-182, I'd be at Little Wayne. Um, I would just be at different shows dealing with that kind of stuff. Ah. <sighs> So, if you could give any advice to listeners out here, like, what drew what drew you to the Sailors and Six podcast? Like, what are the podcasts, the group? Like, what made you want to be a part of it? Just kind of branching out, putting myself out there a little bit, connecting with other people. You know, we talk about, like, you know, how beneficial diversity is, not only in the Navy, but just everything, right? Like, I... there. Man, Sailors and Six put me on so many good new cigars that I like, so many different types of bourbon that I like, just the pairing between them, you know what I mean? Yeah. New, meeting new people, things like that, like, it just, and it's it's not like, you know, like, I'm a single dude, you know me, bro, yeah. like, I got three kids yeah, right. and a wife, dog, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, and, and, you know, I... As you know, I have a demanding job, yeah. but at the same time, I like to relax, you know, I, I like to have fun, yeah. and, uh... I just, 
I mean, if you, you talk about advice, I mean, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Like, don't be afraid to try a new cigar. Don't be afraid to, you know, try a new bourbon, anything like that. Uh, if So speaking of all those things, right, if you had to pick your top top cigar and your top drink, what, what would those be? Oh, man. <sighs> top cigar, probably a Padron uh, 64. Okay. Definitely a Padron 64 or, you know, what, what you put me on too, that... Um, the Honor Among Thieves. Honor Amongst Thieves. Yeah, man. That is... Whew. Thanks to my boy Mike at uh, at Pale Horse Cigars for ho- hooking me up on that. That yeah. was uh, legit. Also, big shout out to Scallywags. Yeah, man. Scallywags Shit. always sends me new stuff every time I order something. Like, I'm in Guam, and they're yeah. sending it from Arizona. That stuff gets here, like, within nine to ten days. That's amazing. That's fast here. Yeah. That is so fast yeah. come to Guam. That's faster than Amazon. Most like, of the time. Yeah, yeah. I don't think people yeah. understand Man. how quick yeah. that is getting yeah. to Guam. And, you know... They're properly packaged. Uh, they just everything, man. Scallywags always is on point. Yeah, thanks, Chris. We appreciate that, man. It's awesome. Like you guys come through, and uh, like we talked about, man. The fast, the shipping. It's crazy that it takes a that short amount of time because in Guam terms, that's a that's a minute. <laughs> yeah, and if anyone's out there just trying to support, you know, a veteran-owned business, and on top of that, get good cigars at a cheap price like that. That's where you need to go, man. Scallywag cigars, like that's that's your spot. Yeah. So for me, I think uh, I think my favorite probably right now, Honor Monk Steve's probably. I I haven't been able to let that cigar go uh, the past year and a half. I've probably been smoking that the most. Um, my liquor arrangement changes, so I like the Creek Water by Yellow Wolf. Um, he okay. made that. It's like twenty bucks. Really? Yeah, it's so good, man one of my favorites All right. but it's a 20 dollar bottle and then on the other end of that spectrum you got uh balvini uh the 18 i think it's 18 year i don't want to don't that, quote me is that a scotch yeah it's a okay. caribbean cask it's a caribbean cask one so i don't remember the year on that but it's a caribbean cask one nick church put me on it uh but dude that's that's like 80 dollars a bottle I, that's like probably 70 80 dollars a bottle is the cheapest i've seen it but that's one of my favorites it never lasts long when i have it in my house like it's gone <laughs> man so uh, I always find a reason. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. Um, they also make a 21, 21 year Portwood. That's a little bit more on the like two hundred dollar side of things, but um, it's definitely uh, it's definitely worth your risk if you want to buy it. Um, all their stuff they make is pretty good. Uh, yeah, man. I, I would say like you know, drink wise, um, you know, I I enjoy Four Roses. Four Roses kind of on the cheaper spectrum. Uh, as we start moving up, like, uh, you know, you and Nick put me on that Blanton's. I, yeah, that's, I was, I was, that's Nick's joint, man. Was, that's Nick's joint. I was unaware of yeah. that game Nick until is, I got to Virginia. Nick and, is a oh, Blanton, Blanton's professor. Like, yeah. he's got uh, <laughs> he's got the regular, but then he also had Blanton's gold, which he had at his house when he got promoted to lieutenant. Uh, that was pretty good. And he's got the whole stave and everything else. Uh, got collected all the bottles, tops organically. And got it made and sent it in so he was able to do all that so yeah blanton's probably in like the hundred dollar range yeah. and obviously uh huge fan of pappy okay yeah, yeah. i mean if i mean <laughs> if anyone can get your hands on it just uh yeah there's a speaking of that there's a documentary on netflix that talks about all the 
it's I, like I watched have you seen it, it? yeah bro that yeah. thing is nuts <laughs> and it it talks about how they drove the price of pappy up and then how they started sneaking it out buffalo trace all that kind of stuff so eagle rare all those brands that you're trying to find hard to get it talks about how all those brands are unavailable and like how they get posted in these groups and how people pay extra money for them but uh if you haven't seen it i think it's called heist i can't remember the name of it no no yeah, you're right i think it's, it's called heist. heist there's an episode with uh pappy van winkle talks about that mostly but it talks about other brands buffalo trace and how they were sneaking it out and how some people would take like bottles and then it evolved to like cases and things like that so i highly recommend that check it out um there's also another whiskey that uh i would like to promote that it's called a Kavala. okay and Kavala is man it's definitely uh i'm sorry Kavalan. okay uh just it's a taiwanese whiskey it's from taiwan but uh they have you know multiple different levels you want to pay 40 bucks 80 bucks yeah. 160 you can you can go get what you want but uh it's kind of in line with uh the you know the the chinese style of whiskey but it is phenomenal so um a couple questions before we let you go uh one uh what would you like to see from the sailors and six group in the future what would you like us to incorporate that we're not doing right now you got any feedback from us how we're doing things uh kind of that nature uh when we talk about incorporation i would just say like more from here more from guam you know what i mean okay uh we definitely got to kick it off here i mean what 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 we had in hampton roads was just amazing you know what yep. i mean that that network was huge and we can definitely build that here i just think we need to start branching out more <clears throat> okay um i mean realistically other than that like i said before just with the advice piece yep. like go out don't be afraid to have a new cigar go to a cigar bar and if you're out here in guam like mac and marty's yep that's right? the spot yep mac and marty man head on down to mac and marty's i mean there's a good chance you're gonna find me and brian there at some point right if you keep frequenting there yeah, yeah for sure uh that's a good spot always uh We've had a couple guys pop in and out of there, so um, obviously check it out. Um, they have a good stick selection there. Um, anything you want to check out. If they don't have it there, Scallywag is also a good opportunity for you to purchase from there. Uh, they're not really stickers about that. The rule of cigar smoking is kind of one of those things is like, if you go to a place, make sure you buy something there. You don't have to necessarily smoke it that day, but kind of patronize the business and buy something, you know, be be a good business customer and buy something from there and then you can smoke whatever you want to but don't go in there and not buy something from the humidor or yeah, buy something like, like keep, it keep in mind that's a cigar bar right, right. That, that, that's how they make yeah. their bread and butter but yeah so you don't necessarily have to like buy up the whole store but even if you buy a stick you don't necessarily have to smoke it that day but make sure you do that um that's kind of one of those things um so last thing before i let you go is uh what's next personally for sean smith like what do you got in the future like what are your personal goals like what do you want to accomplish and uh you i mean you already know my personal goals right? okay i, I want to finish up my my bachelor's degree trying to trying trying to get like brian you know <laughs> mr triple masters over here trying to uh finish up my bachelor's degree i'd like to do that and then you know if i could i want to do a webs tour after this that would be like my pinnacle tour man okay um, Yep, just going back to sea on a submarine as the AWEPS, like that's 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 it for me. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to see you accomplish all those things. Um, obviously, it sucked to see you leave here, uh, but I know we all come and go our separate ways and things like that, but uh, I'd like to see good things happen for your career, and I know you're going to make them happen. Oh, come on. I'm a conventional guy. Yeah. We, trust me. We're going to be at the same port again at some point. Yeah. So, um, uh, if you don't have anything else, um, this has been the Sailor Six Podcast. Uh, once again, thanks, Sean Smith, for joining us on here. And uh, we're out. Now, thank you for having me. Thank you.